0: just kind of thing. does anybody have, though, a a problem with this? Have you ever had a problem with this verse before? I I think most. It's pretty safe to say. Um, It's interesting about the Bible, and we've talked about this a number of times. The Bible is a very, just a interesting slash weird collection of books, because it's fascinating. The way Jesus taught the way God teaches us isn't the way most of us are accustomed to being taught. We're accustomed to hearing facts put out in front of us, answers put out in front of us, and that we learn those answers, and those answers, you know, we want to be able to take those, and that's great, except there's really this fascinating, amazing thing. It seems like the way God rolls his word out, it's almost like he's telling us, If you don't stop for a little bit and think through this, you're going to miss a whole lot of who God is. And there's these verses. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like if I were to share the evolution of my relationship with this verse, the majority of times I'm trying to figure out how I could consider trials nothing but joy. That, I mean, does that make sense? Yep. Uh, it didn't to me. I mean, I was like, man, this is, I'm going, hold on a minute. Do you mean I can believe hard enough? You know what I'm saying? You could, I can believe hard enough and just go, and I'm going to be, are we supposed to just be, there's craziness going on and we're just, I, I had such a hard time and I would try to do these mental gymnastics and it's probably something if if we could probably unlearn as people is if we have to do too many gymnastics to make a verse say something we wanted to say, chances are we're really twisting it out of context, all right, if we have to do too much. And so um, we're beginning here. Let me just go ahead and read this again. My brothers and sisters, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect effect, so that you will be perfect and complete, not deficient in anything. This this is a verse that I would love for us to memorize, to repeat to ourselves over and over and over again. Because, you know, we talking about the Holy Spirit. We got in touch with how me, myself, my selfish nature, is in a battle with the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you as I read this, I'm going, I don't know if I buy this. This is a tough one. So consider it pure joy when you face trials and, you know, and then the the end goal is I'm going to be perfect and complete, not deficient in anything. I'd rather not go through trials. <laughs> okay. I'm okay being a little deficient, right? <laughs> You're like how much deficiency am I having here? Okay. Uh, but we're we're kind of going through this and we're... We're not completely shifting course, but as we've, hopefully, as we've all been paying attention, this journey to spiritual maturity we've been going through, we're just exiting this section that we've been talking about, about the powerful, personal Holy Spirit that comes to live inside of us and all that he does to change everything inside of us that we cannot change on our own. And as we exit that, we're going into this next little bit of a season here where we're talking about how trials bring us to maturity. And there's there's these words down there, perfect and complete, not deficient in anything, okay, is the completeness. That is spiritual maturity. That's the word, okay? And so trials have a distinctly powerful, powerful, Like place in our lives as we follow Jesus to being transformed into His very image, and um, these are tough to talk about because trials aren't funny, right? They're not. It doesn't do any good at all to make a trial seem like it's less than it is, or that we can like you know like think differently about it, or like let me go. You know, we've talked about silence and solitude you know, is uh, trials are meant for us not to numb ourselves away from the trial, but to enter into the trial, all right? And so let's, there's a few things here because I think in our English versions we can get a pretty decent idea of this, but there's a few words I think that will help us dig into this because this is going to be our cornerstone verse that we use for the next number of weeks, okay? Okay. So let's look at it. Whoopsie. Nope, not that one. Does it go backwards? There we go. So here's the word. This this is a word that probably confuses all of us. Hey, consider it joy. You're going through a hard time. Would you love that? Would you love somebody going, Nah, just this joy, man? Okay, so here's the really cool thing about this word right here and hopefully it takes just a little bit of pressure off of us, all right? It's not this idea of how can I either consider it or fake it enough for people to think I'm considering it. But that word in its original text, in what the original hearers would have heard, is not like, hey, make a trial seem joyful. It actually means to consider, make joy the thought that leads your mind. Let joy be the thought, not the trial. Let joy be the thought that leads your mind. All right, so we're not trying to make a trial into something it's not. But again, there's this battle that's inside of our minds. And the battle is, do I give into the trial and the testing? Do I give into that? Or could there be another way? Could I let the thoughts of my mind, and it's interesting, you can, so Philippians 4, right? Let's actually turn over to Philippians chapter 4, because this is really worth um, looking at here, because so much of what we've been talking about when it comes to us has been what goes on between our ears, like the stories we tell ourselves, the stories we think other people are telling about us. Right? We have all of these kind of messed up thought processes that are coming in, and it's really amazing because even as Jesus talked about repentance, he's zeroing in on how we think about things, right? that we think about things the way he wants us and how he thinks about things. And here in Philippians 4, um, again, this is, let me just start off, this is not easy. For anybody in here, this is not easy to do. This sounds like a very simple verse, but it isn't. Philippians 4, right here in verse 8, he says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true and whatever is noble, whatever is right and whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and admirable, exceptional and praiseworthy, think about these things. Okay, now it's pretty interesting here. He wrote this to the Philippians. Can you think about any, any instance that Paul had in the actual town of Philippi? Do you remember the story when he visited Philippi? Do you remember what happened to him in the town? And you can go back to the book of Acts and go, is he making this up? No, no, no. It's in the, you can go to the book of Acts. Is Paul was imprisoned with Silas and he was beaten And do you remember what they were doing about midnight? Do you remember? They were singing and praising God in their cell after they had been beaten. It's pretty fascinating that he can write this to the Philippians and go, hey, listen, this can be done. Like our mind, we can do that. Again, and and here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that I can think a certain way and then God's now happy with me. I'm not trying to get God to love us. We're not trying to do that. God's made it very clear that he loves us, but it's this idea of he's given us a brain and he's given us all these neurons and all these electrical synapses that are firing and he gave us an opportunity to think about one thing instead of another, except as we know, and we've talked about this, the brain does well or the mind does well what the mind does often. So if you're 20 years old, or 22, or 42, or 52, if you're any of the, how long have me and you trained our minds to think a certain way? Right? Year after year, if if you're a cynic, could you imagine thousands and thousands and thousands of times that I have looked at things cynically, and now our brain just does it naturally? And now what we're asking to do is we're going to interrupt that thought process, okay? And we're going we're to we're interrupt that, okay? And he's saying that is consider this. Let the leading thought in your mind be joy when you fall into trials of all kinds, okay? And he says this. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, here's the interesting thing. This idea, because you know... it it actually denotes because you know, meaning like, because you've experienced this before. Okay, that's very important. He's not talking about like you had some kind of great Bible study class. He's saying, no, you guys know because you have experienced trials before. So when you fall in, you know what is produced Through faith, you you understand what's produced here. You understand that you can endure more. And so, again, what's kind of a helpful thing is if we don't know our own history with God, it's really difficult to be able to draw on this actual statement. When he's asking the Philippians, he's saying, listen, you guys know. You know how God worked in your life. You know how in trials he worked. You saw how he worked in my trials. You know, he's telling them all these things and beckoning back to a time when they go, oh, yeah, we know that. Why is that important? Because you know when things get really tough, we get just immersed in that. And it's so hard. Have you ever done that before? Where it's just, you are just in a low place, a valley. You're just facing these trials, and you can't remember a time when God helped you out of that valley. You ever experienced that before? Because we just kind of like allow ourselves to go there at times. So he's saying, here's the thing, is we have to be able to know this. This is vitally important in flipping this script, and telling a different story. And what's really cool about this, again, is this isn't age dependent, right? It's so you can be a sixth grader, you can be a fourth grader, you can be a twelfth grader, you can be out of school, you can be any of these things. And these are all real life experiences. Now... I think for me, I would have loved to, got a head, to get a head start on how my brain worked, right? I really began changing the way I was thinking when I was 23 years old. So I had 23 years of training my mind to think a certain way, and it's difficult. And thankfully, with the Holy Spirit, God really is like doing all the heavy lifting for sure. But listen, if you're under 23... If you're in your teens, if you're something like that, now is such an opportune moment to go, hold on a minute, let me like flip this around when things are difficult, okay? And so consider it, let your leading thought be joy when you face these trials because you've experienced this before, this testing of your faith, and it produces endurance, okay? Now, here's the interesting thing, Um, how, how do you feel about your faith being tested by God, Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a mixture. Right. I mean, some people are like, man, you yeah, that brings me to life. Other people are like er, I don't know. Right. And here's the here's the interesting thing. As we're reading our Bible, there's two kind of things to keep in mind. Um, if you remember in James and a couple other places, it talks about God isn't going to tempt us. And you go, hold on a minute. I feel like I'm getting the switcheroo here. I feel like you're not going to tempt me, but you're going to test me. Okay, so here's something to just keep in mind. Okay, it's essentially the same thing, except like the the one who is like focusing on and, 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 and like working towards this. So a test is meant for you to pass. A temptation is meant for you to fail. Can you see the difference? Like, Satan is about temptation. I'll get, they can, Satan and God can give the same thing, and God is going, no, this is so you can pass. And Satan is going, no, this is so you can fail, all right? And so we have a rich history of God testing faith, but it's kind of nice to know that when it's a test, the expectation is, no, you will pass that test, and that test will have a purpose in life. And so this testing of your faith produces endurance, okay, And so, uh, this is an interesting thing. In Greek literature, uh, this word was used uh, to describe a man forced into labor against his will, but he worked on. The endurance of a man who suffered the sting of grief, but continued on. The endurance of a soldier who fought a losing battle, but battled on. It was also used to describe a plant living in an inhospitable environment against all odds. And you see it stubbornly lifting their leafy heads up to the sun, right? Uh, Sometimes I'm kind of like, I wish I could get the grass that grows in my concrete to be in my yard, right? I'm like, what is the difference here? It won't grow in the dirt, but it grows in the concrete, okay? But you have this endurance of somebody coming under a hardship and working forward. and, 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 And the actual word is to remain under, Okay. Not to run away, but going, okay, so we talked for the past couple of weeks about being present. Isn't it interesting how trials work? Trials make us not want to be present any longer. I want to get to where there's no trial. I, I want it to be how it, with no trial up ahead. And, and, and they're saying, hold on a minute, there's, a, there's a really an important aspect of this, is for us to remain under this trial. Can you kind of see why it's so important that we've been talking about silence and solitude and being present and hearing God's word, right? Because this is such an important aspect of me and you maturing, becoming complete, lacking nothing, okay? And so you have this idea of, of, of this testing is actually producing this. There, there's kind of a cooperation going on here. As we remain under, endurance is being produced. Amen. But it takes just some time. I mean, you know, it takes time to go, you know, I need to stop. Have you ever in your mind just been frantic? Like, it's just like, man, there's all these things going on. And, and you know when there's things going on that we don't like? Oftentimes, life seems to go faster. Like we feel like we have to make decisions more quickly. We feel like we're panicky a little bit on the inside, even if we aren't on the outside, right? And it's just like, hold on, let me take a deep breath for a second. And let me just remain it. That's why this verse is going to be so important for us, is we understand this is being produced. And let endurance have its perfect effect so that you will be perfect and complete, not deficient in anything. pretty good. But the first couple of verses are required to get to the last one. Like, that's what's needed, right? And I know everything inside of us, everything inside of us is going to see a trial and go, how can I get around this? All right. and, and Jesus himself is saying, "We, we, you have to go through it. Right? Go- going around it isn't what he's talking about when he's talking about transforming us and bringing us to maturity. Okay, But there's some things in here, again, that, um, so, so this, was, this, was my, this was my paraphrase right here, okay? Is make joy your leading thought as you go through trials. You've been tested and have experienced God's power before when you didn't run away but remained patiently under significant hardship. So you know that remaining patiently under times and circumstances that are difficult is forming you into the very likeness of Christ. So there's an important word that remaining under. Right. If you're thinking like what constitutes a trial, it's very subjective, okay? Because you don't know what? If, if you're 15 or 18 years old, I mean, you can live a certain number of years and never feel like a true emotional pain or have gone through true tragedy, or something like that, but that doesn't make trials you go through less real, but as you get older, there's something that becomes acutely more like we become aware of, and it's pain, and not just physical pain, it's emotional pain, right, it's, it's, Emotional pain with our children, with our parents, emotional pain with, with whatever circumstances happen, and as you get older, and so if you've been a disciple for a long time, you probably are very acute and very aware of like, this emotional pain, and it's really easy to go, I don't want to go through that trial. And if you're younger, you might go, oh, man, life's not hard. Why is everybody complaining and being a baby and all that kind of stuff? Is, is If that's your mindset right now, yeah, I would just say take a deep breath and hold on to your horses. Okay, because there's a time when you go back and go, oh, my goodness, what was I thinking? All right. Um, so, again, this is so vitally important for us to just write on our heart these words of James, okay? But, but here's the interesting thing. So in different versions, okay? So let me go back a couple of slides. In different versions of, um, it, right there at the end in the blue, it says, and let endurance have its perfect effect. In some versions it says, let, uh, let endurance grow. All right, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? Like, let it grow. Man, I'm going through a hard time. I want to run away. Let's acknowledge those times. And it's like, I want to get out of here. And let me just remain under this and be quiet and like be in the presence of God. And, and, but he's saying, here's the deal. Let endurance grow. Let the fuel tank of endurance, let it just grow. Because under that trial, that's what's growing is this endurance. And this endurance is what's creating the maturity. In us so letting it grow and so here's just a few thoughts to get us started on that okay so here's something we can directly like head over to Jesus life and here here's an oddly comforting thing Jesus is not asking us to go through anything he did not go through all right. He, he's not sitting, you know, on a throne somewhere that never went through a trial, never went through hardship and telling now you people go through that. OK, that's not happening. We know Jesus experienced trials and sorrows and all of these things. So we have our king who is saying, listen, as I walk ahead and you you follow me. I can teach you and guide you, and as my apprentice, form you into somebody that can make it through it. And I think the first place, Matthew 26, is is when we're facing a trial, is we must go to the garden. And the reference to that is from Matthew 26, when Jesus was facing his arrest, his impending death, the torture that would come with that. And in Matthew 26, from verse 36, really on from there is Jesus saying, hey, I need some people to come with me. And we're in the garden of Gethsemane and walk with me over here because I have to pray. Like I need a place that's away from people right now. I, I've, I have to go to a place because I'm in utter distress. I, I can't. So contrast that with what me and you generally do when we're in distress, when we're in emotional distress, going through a hard time. Oftentimes what we want to do is how can I numb this? right, so it's gonna be very important for us to keep in mind like what is our drug of choice that we go to Like what is that drug of choice that we want to go to that numbs us out and it may be something just completely benign of hey I'm just gonna go and watch a ton of TV it may just be something that benign. It may be a pornography habit. It may be this idea. Believe me, I've lived that before. Where that is a true medication of a soul of going, I don't want to live in this world. I want to live in a fantasy world. Because there's no problems there, okay? And it can be any, it can be a drug habit. It can be something like, you know, and and here's what's interesting. So you know, you go back when I was in high school and all these kind of things. It's like, you know, if you were taking drugs, it generally meant like you were smoking weed or doing cocaine or something like that, okay? And you know what's interesting about that is you can always tell when somebody is doing that. that you can't hide it. If you're smoking weed, you could try to hide it all you want. My friends try to do it all the time. And you're like, you can't hide that, right? We all know you're high right now. We all know these things are going on, okay? Your eyes are bloodshot. You put, you know, a half a bottle of Visine in there. and I, mm, 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 mm. But here's, here's what Satan has done over the years. Is, is We've kind of like marginalized that, and we've gotten into prescription drug abuse. To where I can be taking something, and you would not know. In fact, I could be taking something that my own doctor, but I'm not taking it for the intent purposes that he gave me, but to numb myself. All right. And these are just really important. Again, is it because you're caught if that's happening? Absolutely not. But if we're, if we're going to like a numbing mechanism, then we'll never really be able to be an apprentice to Jesus through trials because Jesus is like, no guys, we have to feel everything. There isn't a shortcut. There isn't, it's like, no, that's part of this, of this forming of who we are, right? And so, again, just paying attention to that of, do I go to the garden? Do I go to a place where I'm like, I need to interface with Jesus right now and have an honest communication? Remember, Jesus said, he's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want this. Right? And we don't know. I mean, we don't know how long he prayed that. I mean, Matthew isn't giving us this entire, like, verbatim kind of thing that Jesus did in the garden, I don't think. But how long did it have to take? I mean, it was long enough to where he was profusely sweating. Okay, how long did it take where he just had to keep saying, I don't want to do this. Don't make me do this. If there's another way, I mean, come on, this is, can you imagine the panic from that? But he's in the garden. He's not numbing it somewhere else, right? He's, he's remaining under. So he's going to the garden, there's silence, there's listening, there's there's this idea of, of I need to have an honest conversation like this is where I'm at right now. I'm panicked, I'm scared, and I don't want to do this. But the purpose isn't this venting, right? It's this purpose of Jesus is like, but I want to conform to your will. Okay, so how long is that going to take us? How many trips to the garden will that take us? I don't know. Maybe one, maybe every day, maybe weeks, maybe years of going back and having that time. But the other side of it is, 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 we just can't kind of do that. But we've also, we have to remember that Jesus taught in John chapter 6. He said, I'm the bread of life. And he made this audacious claim. If you come and feed on me, you will never be hungry again. All right. Like I will fulfill and satisfy every single need inside of you. So that, let's, here, here's the funny thing. If we ignore that, we're missing out on a huge part of remaining under a trial. We're missing a huge part because if we just are down there going, okay, I'm going to sweat this thing out. But then Jesus is like, no, I've got sustenance. Like there's sustenance and it's me and it's my word, right? Man cannot live on bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, right? He's saying you can be, now this may be the hard sell, that me and you can be sustained under, remaining under a trial and not thinking two weeks ahead or two months ahead or two years ahead, but right here, that there is sustenance there, But again, if we've already derailed ourselves with like a numbing mechanism, we will never find that. Okay, we won't. Remembering to be an apprentice. This is one of the things I have to remind myself of constantly, is I'm an apprentice of Jesus. That's what a disciple is. I know we've talked about a student, but here's the interesting thing is our concept of student is very different than Jesus' concept of an apprentice. Okay, I mean, we have entire like groups of Christianity that is just about sitting in a desk and hearing information and thinking that is the bread of life. Jesus would never have thought that. Jesus is like, No, I have my apprentices, and listen, they're going to come through and their life is going to be all messy and discombobulated. And as their king and them as my apprentice, I'm going to train them how to do this, and and I'm going to teach them to think but I'm also going to infuse them with me to empower them as well, okay? And so it's this idea that being an apprentice in my mind, what I think of is, okay, here's the deal. Stop trying to be like the greatest in the world in terms of like, I'm going to, you know, if you're thinking in your mind, listen, I can't wait till that trial because I'm going to show everybody how you breeze through these things, okay? Okay? then then here's the deal, okay? We're not being apprentices at that time. But to go, okay, you want to know what? I don't know what tomorrow brings, and I don't know what next month brings, and I don't know what next year brings. But as an apprentice, I I can take those in the present tense as they come and understand that I'm going to need a lot of training from Jesus and his word in order to follow him and to be like him. Like, I require that. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 10 or 20 or 30 years. We require training, right? And so it's remembering this and then the idea of we can't go alone. There's these diabolical truths we tell ourselves in trials, which is no one will understand me, right? No one will think this is real. Nobody cares. Nobody, and again, for us to be mindful of the stories that are coming into our brain and they they they've got to be challenged with truth i i've done this before and i imagine a lot of us in here have done this before right where you'll say something well no one would understand and no one cares anyway and then you have somebody go is that true And okay, if if you if you're humble enough, you stop right there and go, Oh yeah, that's not true. Or you dig your heels in. But eventually you get to a place where we look back and go, you know what, that's not true among my brothers and sisters. It's just not true. But that one person though, I remember back in nineteen ninety nine, that one person did this thing that I didn't like and it wasn't loving. And you hang on, and we do this. We hang on to like that one instance, and that becomes the fuel that fuels every lie inside of us, right? And so this is the thing. How do I remain under? How do I let this grow, okay? So remember this idea of, hey, let this grow. There's some really interesting conversations we're all going to be having with ourselves, I think right? Hey, okay. It's not about running away. It's about letting this grow. If we're going to become mature, this is crucial, right? A lot of times it's, man, <laughs> at different ages, people are different. it's, it's man, hopefully we don't hit this ceiling to where we go, I'm not going down this road any further. I want life to be easy. I want life to be pain-free. Now, here's the interesting thing, is a lot of times when we're talking about trials, the, the advice sometimes people give is, Keith, you can't always talk about this because, man, it makes Christianity seem so hard. But here's the deal is, okay, let's all quit Christianity. Does that mean there's no trials? You see the false story we tell ourselves? It's like, oh, man, Christianity is so hard. I don't know if it's worth it. Okay, we'll go in the world without the Holy Spirit and without King Jesus and see how that is better. Because the trials will be the same, if not worse. We're not talking about either a life with or without. We live in a world that is, like, desperately lost. And, and, and listen, if you hadn't figured it out, I'm, like, knocking on the door of 50 years old. And what I'm learning is this body is not meant to last that long. It isn't. I mean, I, I literally sat all day yesterday, and I was sore today. I'm going, what, what happened? What on earth? Where did non-exertion work my muscles this hard? Right? Right? But, but I'm just saying, it's, it's this idea of, man, our bodies, that trials are coming. They're coming, if they're not here already. I love this from J.R.R. Tolkien from The Lord of the Rings. Frodo and Gandalf are having a little back and forth, and Frodo's just like, I don't like having the ring. Why, why'd I have to have the ring, right? And he says, well, Frodo says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened, okay? That's like the anthem of every trial. I wish none of this happened. I I wish this never happened before. And then Gandalf says, well, so do all who live to see such times. But that's not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that's given to us. Right? You see, like... How are we going to conform our thinking? And again, the beautiful thing is is, is we're not talking about we have the power to do these things. We're talking about, though, is accepting the responsibility God has given us to think in a certain way. All right? Again, the illustration of the farmer. The farmer does not make the peach come out of the tree. But the farmer has a role to prepare the soil right? The farmer has a role to make sure there's enough sun, and there's enough water. There's a role, but he doesn't do the growing, okay? We're talking about this right here, is as a, as a farmer, like tending our soul. We're not talking about making the fruit grow, but saying, but we do have to make these decisions with the time that's been given to us. And this may not be physical, right? This may not be a physical thing. This may be just a cultural thing. This may be a worldly thing. This may be a stand that we have to take that has dire consequences to our lives as Christians, right? This isn't just physical pain and physical suffering. This is a trial. This is one of those things where it's like anything that you're going, man, this is really, really tough right now. And it might last a day. It might last two days. It might last... Two years or a lifetime. So, we have this idea. So, here, here's the interesting thing. We're going to, in our journey, okay? So, I've been looking up all these different things. If you want to read a really cool book, too, um, Pilgrim's Progress is really neat. I would encourage you, though, to buy a copy that isn't like archaic King James Version. OK, they make them. They make them where it's just like there's no these, thou's, hastens and all these things. Right. OK, is to get that because it's literally about this journey this man makes. And the man's name is Christian and he's going through all this soup. It actually, it's very entertaining of how he has written this. Um, but there's all kinds of things. Right. So this whatever this journey looks like for us as we're going forward, OK, is we want to address some very specific things using James chapter 1 in the first four verses as kind of our core, like, hub that we're going to be working from, okay? Because we're going to be talking about trials, trials that come in times of waiting. I don't know many people who wait well. Trials that come in times of illness and disease, like talking about for real. When the, What does it look like? How do I handle God's word? And how do I look at this? And, and it isn't just like one size fits all. There's so many things. And so we're going to address, we're going to try to look at these things in times of despair and humiliation, futility, times of loneliness. I mean, that may be one of like, some people talk about loneliness as being like one of, the things that most people actually suffer from in our world and what's strange is the loneliness quotient has kind of like people become more lonely the longer we've had social media not weird we're more connected than ever and we're lonelier than ever not that weird that's my curmudgeon take for the week okay <laughs> that's where I'm like the guy the get off my grass guy you know my social media like you know you rotten kids okay But these trials of, when we have times of gripping fear, like the the word of God does, listen, as an apprentice of Jesus, he walks with us through these things. But do we have a heart of an apprentice to go, okay, listen, right here and right now, not tomorrow and not the next day. And it's going to be really tough because we're interrupting a normal process in our life. The normal process is get through it as quickly as you can, numb it out, like do it on your own, don't let somebody near you. Okay, we're interrupting that process to do it a different way. And as an apprentice, you might not get that right the first time. The the, the point isn't, can I get it right the first time or the second time? It's the idea of, will I continue like learning the lesson? Like, will Jesus still be my king? Or do we throw up our hands and go, I'm tired of this? I just want to numb out, okay? And, and again, we did talk about those things, and just being very serious about that, about those things, because I, we've become like masters of numbing emotion through entertainment, through drugs, through alcohol, through food, right? I've gone through a number of those. I've medicated myself with food. I've medicated myself with leisure. I've medicated myself with pornography. I've done all of those things, okay? And here's the best thing that I've learned about any of those, is there really is no help without like talking to somebody about that. Okay. What I'm not saying is I'm not saying not to go and listen, go to the garden. (laughs) All right. Go to the garden and pray, go to the garden and get real and listen and all of these things. But there is one resource that God has blessed us with and it's each other. And there are parts of this journey that we absolutely, man, it's just a pit of despair. That, that we've got to go, listen, man, I can't get out of this by myself. I need, I, I need to bring this into the light. I would really, whatever it is. I mean, if it is, if it's prescription drugs, if it's recreational drugs, whatever that is, that would be the thing that, to look at and go, man, this could really keep me from the very thing that Jesus is trying to actually bless me with, which is to see that you mean you can have endurance under trial. You mean that I, here's the crazy thing do you mean I can grieve? Do you mean I can suffer physical pain? Do you mean that I can even worry and be joyful at the same time? Okay. One of the things Jesus taught in John 16 is he said, listen, I'm coming here to give you peace, but in this and I'm going to give you peace, but in this world, you'll have trouble. Hold up a minute. What? <laughs> well, like, again, the switcheroo. But it's that idea of going, it's not an either or. It's not this idea of ignoring grief. It's not this idea of ignoring physical pain. I don't think Paul and Silas ignored their physical pain when they were in prison and singing. I think, but, but there's a complexity that we can handle, which is, no, I'm hurting, but. No, I am going through grief, and that's healthy, but this doesn't overtake me. There's these two things that can go on. We can have peace and pain. All right. And and that could be a mystery. You may be going, man, I don't know. I just give into whatever. Okay. That's not what our King is going to be teaching us over the next number of weeks. So here's the thing. We're going to be transitioning into taking our communion now. And so Here's the beautiful thing about that is, can you imagine the trial that Jesus went through just to get to that place, right? From abandonment, right? My my friends abandoned me, the guys that I poured into. I think he, he had some compassion from a standpoint of they were scared. They did what oftentimes we do when trial comes, is I'm gone, I'm out of here. But you have abandonment, you have pain. The feeling of abandonment from his own father, I mean, you have a lot of these things, but our ultimate goal is to continue zeroing in on not the trial, but on Jesus, on our Father, is zeroing in on, wow, you've, you've modeled for us perfection, all right? If there's anyone we can trust, it's him. Literally, he has put his money where his mouth is. He's like, listen, you do this, I've done it probably in a worse way than anyone has ever had to go through it, all right? And so that's the idea of, again, we have this complexity in communion, which is grief and sorrow and joy. You know, the the grief of our sin put Jesus on the cross. The the grief of not just all all of us, all people, (laughs) and being acutely aware that somebody took our place and was murdered for it and at the same time having this inexpressible joy that this tomb was empty and that he came back and was like, no, come on, like get up and walk. You know, come with me. This is the reason, okay? And so I think that's one of the things we're going to need to lean into through this lesson as well is the complexity of like two different emotions going on at the same time, right? But we get to appreciate that now of this idea of, okay, this is grief, but man, it's the joy of following Jesus. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to nine four zero 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 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.